Welcome back to the You Can Too podcast. On today's episode, we have Clint Murphy on the show. Clint is a CFO of a real estate development company, a real estate investor himself, a writer, an author, a podcaster. He's all of the things, and I'm so excited to have you on the show, Clint. For those who may not know who you are, can you give us a brief overview? Yeah, thanks, James. You did a great job there. That was a good summary. By day, I am the CFO for a real estate development company. At night, I've been building a personal brand to allow me to pivot to a different career later. So we can talk a bit about that throughout the show. And the idea is that eventually what I want to do full-time is coach, write, podcast, public speaking, consulting, real estate investing, and private equity investing. So those are six avenues. And I knew for all six, I needed to build a brand. So I started working on that a year ago and it's been going well beyond any expectations I ever had. And it's exciting. It's something that also I, I leave out that I have two boys, 11 and 14. And so doing that, you appreciate as a, as a younger guy yourself, with this generation, it, it gives me a little more, uh, I'll, I'll call it street cred as their father. And so that's a fun experience. And so showing them as well, you can talk to your kids about doing something, but unless you demonstrate it, it has less impact. So by talking to my boys about setting goals, knowing what you want, understanding what it takes, doing the work, they're able to see in real time, hey, dad is doing the work. Mom's now retired. She's left her job. She's helping dad. This is becoming something greater than it was a year ago. We see a future in what mom and dad are doing. So that was a long answer to who I am and what I do, but uh, a lot of that has already started. So I write every day. I read a book a week and have a podcast, The Pursuit of Learning, which is being rebranded. You can see uh, it's going to be the growth guide. So that starts in February with a brand new website launch rebrand. And then we will be launching in February as well the growth guide newsletter. So uh, everything that I do in my writing is about growth. I try to help people be better, achieve more and become financially free. So what that means is I talk about self-development. I talk about productivity and goals and achievement, success. And then I also talk about financial literacy. Those are three areas where I've spent a lot of my life. So they tend to be I like to learn from people who have lived experience. So I like to teach what I've lived. Back mm -hmm. to you. Yeah, no, I love that you said that. And it really is important. It kind of comes down to, you know, even in the coaching space as well, um, Alex Ramosi talks a lot about this. It's, you cannot speak about something if you haven't done it yourself, right? Or at least you yes. should. At least you I should. I agree. And especially as you are like the, probably the, the best role model your kids can have because you're doing the things exactly. And I know that your plan for the future is for that financial independence and to, you know, go to uh, Paris for six months and, and go to all these places and, and really do whatever you want. Once your kids go to college, I'm curious what your process looks like. I mean, you're doing so much right now, but what is your vision for being able to create that? And also how can my audience not only start their journey, but also kind of create that for themselves. And, and that right there is the key is you can start. And so what we're doing, what you're doing, James, how old are you now? I'm 19. You're 19 and you have a YouTube channel. You have an Instagram feed. You're growing 
a brand, you're growing a business and you're learning as you go. Too many people wait for the stars to align, everything to be perfect, things to line up. They need a plan. They need this. They need that. And they don't start. So number one is just start. When I, when I started a year ago, I mean, we're a little over a year now. So let's say a year and a half. I, I started taking Twitter seriously in August of last year. And I had about a thousand followers. I, cro uh, I took a course. I joined a community. I took another course, crossed New Year's with 10,000. So one year ago, 10,000 followers took more cor courses, started writing more consistently, started writing long form content. One year later, we're crossing 200,000. So that's that growth. To some people, it will feel overnight but it was writing every single day for one and a half years. For a while there, it was writing a thread a day for 70 something days. And so once you start, be consistent. So what does it look like for me? I started this journey April, 2021, with probably at the time I had a six year plan. Now that plan is quicker, how quick? not fully willing to to throw out into the world, but reasonably quicker. And what does it look like? So it looks like launching on additional social channels to have started already and will start to ramp up. That's Instagram and LinkedIn. My wife is running those. I run Twitter. I create the content. The content that I create on Twitter she multi-purposes to those sites and she's doing a great job making it look good. The next step is taking courses on those platforms the way I did on Twitter and joining the right communities and engagement groups. Because for people who are listening, when it comes to your content, there are three things, the content, how you package the content, and then how you distribute it. You need skills in all three areas. And so she will take over that aspect, James, on those two platforms, and she'll start studying how to get better on them. And she'll join up with the right people and the right networks. And some of that helps that it, what you'll appreciate is you start on Instagram and then you say, okay, I've gotten to a certain size here. Now I can reach out to people on Twitter and I can say, hey, Twitter person, if you wanna come to Instagram, we can support each other back and forth. And so I, I'm able to do a fair amount of that. So we'll grow that. The next step is to take that aspect of the business and say, okay, we're ready for, we're ready for video. And so she'll need to learn video editing, production, she'll outsource some of it, et cetera. And then I become the actor. So I'm the man behind the camera. I've already written the content. Now I just have to talk about it and I have to work on the public speaking. So things like this with you help. My podcast helps. I publish an episode a week. So the more I do that, now we're going to be on YouTube. We're going to be on TikTok. I know 44 year old on TikTok talking about how to be better. It's fun stuff. And then we'll come back and we'll be able to use those reels on Instagram. And then we'll also be able to use it on Twitter. Why not? So you can see how what we're doing here is what Jim Collins talks about as a flywheel. So if you, I'll do some motioning in the air. So if you look at the first gear, the first gear, if you're picturing a series of cogs, is social media. 
the goal is to drive that social media to the podcast and to the newsletter. So as this gear spins, this smaller gear over here starts to turn. So if I'm reaching out to a best-selling author and I say, hey, I'm going to publish your episode to my mom and dad and six friends, they're like, not going to come on the show. But if we say we're going to get that to 300,000 people, they're more intrigued. Now you're getting guests who are coming on the show for that. Then you come back. Now imagine a little gear below that starts tying these two together. Because when that bigger guest comes on, you write about it on social, you, ch you share the video on your YouTube, you share the clips on your Instagram. Oh wait, people love that you just talked to that big author. Now that wheel's getting bigger and spinning faster. And the flywheel just keeps going. Oh hey guess, we now have 500,000 people and we have a newsletter that goes to 50,000 and the podcast is heard 10,000 times uh, in the first month. Oh, hey, yeah, I want to be on that show. So you can see, James, how you're building the machine to just drive constant growth on the social and then on your newsletter and your podcast, which in return drives your, your social. And once you get that machine built, that's where the opportunities come from because then you're able to monetize your sponsorships you're able to sell products and services, whether that's other people's products and services that you've tried and you believe in, or whether it's your own. You're creating communities and you're creating courses, whether that's cohorts on Maven, whatever it might be. Uh, a couple friends and I who I've grown with and, and am quite tight with, we're launching a Twitter growth community. And so there will be a cohort, four weeks long, two sessions a week, where we teach you how to build a magnetic profile, how to write viral content, how to network with other accounts, how to grow your brand on Twitter. And the three of us are also growing on other platforms, so it's cross-platform, but we're focusing on Twitter because we've, we've each grown. I think we're, we're approaching half a million on Twitter right now between the three of us, so that's our main area for specialty. So if anyone uh, wants to hit that up, DM me on any of the platforms. I'll talk to you about it. Our main goal is getting people in to grow the community because the bigger community, the better we'll all do. So that's step one. So those are different ways to monetize. And then people are, hey, you've done this. And I see you all the time talking about being better. I see you talking about success and achievement. Can I work with you in a coaching relationship? Can I work with you in a consulting relationship? Uh, I see that you've been a CFO. Can we talk about that? And so it presents opportunities to monetize not only as a as a coach, but as a consultant, as a course creator, as a writer. And then that ties into you've got a YouTube channel. Hey, do you want to be a public speaker? So that was a very long answer. But that's where I see it going is build the machine to drive your future. I'm I'm speechless because I I think this is like it excites the heck out of me truly um, because when I first got into coaching and I'll tie this into everything that you just said but when I first got into coaching it was more so I just want to help people and my way to do that was through social media prior to becoming a coach and the podcast and all the things I was not a social person I was not on social media posting content wasn't sharing my life so getting into it was a big step for me let alone 
coaching and public speaking and podcasting and interviewing and coaching and all the things. And it's so exciting because you're doing it exactly as it's not really shown, right? We see all these people doing a lot of things, but exactly as you said, you just listed out so many different ways. Not only can you monetize, but you can genuinely change your life and other people's life in the process. And it's, it's, it blows me away almost every day that we're able to do this as our job. And it, it truly is one of the most exciting things to wake up and do every single day. I know that when you were in college, you were going for psychology and I, and I don't remember the other one. And then you moved to accounting because uh, your girlfriend or wife at the time told you that this probably isn't the best thing to go down. And it's funny how the, it switched because now it's like, okay, now you're going to be helping me out and we're going to grow this thing and expand together. What, what, what was that look like? Or how was that like really making that shift and kind of getting into where you are today? Uh, I love that you pulled that out. I, I mean, it's hilarious because it's, you know, I'm considering and I will apply for it. I'm considering, I'm going to stop saying considering. I, I intend to do a PhD in psychology. Yeah. And I think when she originally said that, she probably didn't think that I would go that far in academia. So she didn't say, she didn't support that route and said, hey, you're, you'll be better off as an accountant. Yes, she was my girlfriend at the time and is now my wife. The so you rewind and you look at and and neither she nor my family thought well this this guy can be a writer right and, and so you fast forward the clock 22 years well 24 years probably from the time i made that decision to switch i'm i'm going back to what i wanted mm -hmm. i'm focusing on being a writer and i'm focusing on helping people grow and be better, which is what I wanted to do with psychology. So you look at what I wanted then, and that's what I'm pivoting to now. So what I, how I look at it, James, is I took a 22 year break. By the time I'm done, let's say 25 years. And in that 25 years, I focus on something that interestingly, and, and I think for a lot of people, if, if you have a certain level of intelligence, you're curious, you're driven, you work your ass off, you're going to succeed. So I, it turns out I was pretty darn good at this accounting thing. I made uh, some of the friends I made there absolutely amazing. My network in my city is, I think, phenomenal. Like the people that are in my circle have performed at a super high level and we've been friends for over 20 years. So I'm super proud to be with uh, friends with them and in their network. And then to be able to say, hey, I was lucky enough to make some really good bets in the right areas at the right times. And I will achieve a certain level of financial independence. Why not go back and focus the second half of my life on what I want to do and help others get to where I got and make other people realize their dreams and potential. Like I, I can't imagine a better way to spend the second half of my life and to show show my boys, hey, look, if you want something, you can go do it. You don't have to always do it right away. The whole idea of, of live your passion, it's scary because I don't think it often works. But can you not live your passion, make enough money that you can then support your passion and pivot to it later? Maybe that's a different way to do it. So it's 
I look at it that way and it's, it's been a really good journey and I feel super blessed by the path we did take and I want to move to the new path. Yeah. That's, it's really exciting. And it's, it's, it's crazy how often a lot of the people that we're connected with are just in the personal development, you know, online creator space. We all, I don't want to say we all have similar stories, but there's a lot of pivotal moments in every one of our stories that kind of pushed us into creating online or just kind of getting into the space of, and we'll talk about it, mindfulness and all that kind of stuff. When I got into it, I was going to become a real estate agent and I had the opportunity to invest into a program. And I was 17 at the time and I was all in on becoming a real estate agent. I was with the team. I took the entire course, spent months just in my bed, taking all the tests so that when I was 18, I could take the test and I could become one. A couple of weeks before, decided I don't want to do this. And it kind of had that pivotal moment for me when I realized it was like, I'm going to live my life doing something. I don't feel really inside of me that lights me up. And then I jumped into coaching. And it's crazy how you're at this point now where you're realizing that this next like real uh, couple of years of your life are going to be all in on what truly lights you up inside. I'm curious when that moment really shifted for you that you figured out that writing, because I know that you're doing stuff with your sister. I know that you're doing stuff on Twitter. You have a lot of writing in general. What intrigued you to get into writing to begin with? Because you're prolific. Yeah, that's a good question. The If I fire back, and it's always a lot of times these pivotal moments can be when we have the dark days. Yeah. When we hit rock bottom and there was, there was a situation at work about a, about a decade ago now where there was a mutual decision, time to go, not room for growth. And so we agreed on a timeline and I had met with an industrial psychologist to assess my future at that company and, and got the results. And then we had the conversation on what the path if any was. And I said, well, no, the path was, hey, we don't have a room for growth, but you can keep doing what you're doing or you can make a decision to move on. And I said, I'll bet on myself and I'll move on. But the benefit was they did recommend about 10 books for me to read. Mm -hmm. And on those list of 10, cognitive behavioral therapy, which paved the path to stoicism, for those who don't know, the founders of CBT based it on stoic concepts. So love that, have always been a huge fan. Books on mindfulness and Buddhism. And so I just started to read these and I moved from, I had a very active mind, James, that controlled a lot of how I thought and a lot of how I lived my life. And I moved from my mind controlling me to me controlling my mind. And that was probably the biggest pivot and change in my life. And in there, I realized, wait a second, I have an idea for a financial or for a fantasy series. I'd probably read over 500 fantasy books by that point in my life. I've got an idea for my own. And so I reached out to my sister and said, here's my idea. Do you want to write this with me? And she said, yes. And so we, we started writing together as a team. So I would have an idea, I'd do a rough draft of a chapter, I'd fire it to her, she would make it 10x better. And slowly over time, we just kept going. And then when COVID hit, 
we wrote more in that first nine months of COVID than we had in the six years before because we had time and we were, she was bored and we just started cranking it out. And so we finished that a year and a bit ago, maybe two years ago, and we've been slow at finding an agent and pursuing it. You know, we're both a little older. Kids are older. Her kids are now, uh, one of them's graduating. One of them's in grade 10 and, and she's a teacher and um, had some issues she was dealing with. And so you run out of time a little and we're getting back to it and getting back to, Hey, we should start writing book two. It's probably going to be five books, but it was, you know, it was that pivotal moment with that job that led to reading those books that led to taking control of my mind, which led to the writing led to the rethinking my future. And then you fast forward five years ago, having a conversation at my current job about what the future was and was there an opportunity to take that next step into ownership and, and sit at the table. And that wasn't necessarily there. Now that doesn't mean I'm not in a, a great spot as a CFO. I'm very well paid, very happy from a compensation perspective and, and do extremely well uh, from that respect and have great opportunities. It also made me realize, though, did I want to be an owner because that's what I want for my life? Or did I want that because I'm a competitive person who wants to win and that's what winning looked like in the path I was on? And the realization was it was pure ego. What I truly want, what my true purpose and mission is, is to help as many humans as I can grow personally, professionally, financially. Like that's the answer. And that's why the the growth guide is the newsletter is going to be the podcast because I want to help guide as many people on their growth as I can. And so that realization came five years ago, sat on the sidelines with it for a few years because I was pretty busy, kids, sports, activities, friends, networks, go down the list. Yeah. And then COVID came. Shelter in place. All sports cancel. Overactive All mind. Overactive mind. I can't. I can't. I'm the same you, way. That's why yeah, I and, you, and you can't see it, but I, I know uh, you've probably seen it on my Instagram or on my Twitter. My office is a separate building in the backyard. So where I'm talking to you, I'm in my own building. You know, the family's over on the other side there. And so through COVID, like I would be alone here for 12, 13 hours a day. Yeah. So all of a sudden I, I said, well, why to your, when you start, we started this conversation, why am I waiting until I retire to start any of this? Why don't I start now? And so I just read a few books on how to do interviews, launched a podcast jumped on social media and that's that's how it all started was none of this would have begun like you wouldn't even know who i am you wouldn't see me on twitter you wouldn't see me on insta you wouldn't hear my podcast mm -hmm. none of that would be there if covid hadn't hit and put a big monkey wrench on our lives and so yeah there's been a lot of downs to it there's been a lot of challenges and I'm super grateful for, for what it inspired me to do 
and what I can give back to the world because of it. In full support of that as well. COVID was the same time I started my business as well. It was like, I, I, I'm sitting home and I swear to you for months, the only thing I did was go on um, the realtor website that I was on was with a team. And all I did was just take the test, like every single module I could so that when I was 18, I could do it because I wasn't even old enough to take it yet. I was like the youngest per person in Keller Williams and I was just going. And then there was just a moment in time where I, I was starting to read books. I started to get into personal development, started to see what I really wanted for my life. And I had a lot of family members pass away when I was young. So it was like, I seen them go their whole life, spending a lot of time working on things that they didn't really love to then pass away before they could even enjoy their life. And that was like, inside me, it was like, well, I, this is my opportunity. I got I to gotta take it. So I think COVID, there's... Um, there's a book, uh, The Obstacle is Away, and we can, I want to dive into Stoicism because I, I know that this yeah. is going to be for us. But um, The Obstacle is Away was a huge book for me. It helped me realize that most of the time, the biggest hurdles in our life are the times where when we're the lowest, there's only one way to go, and that's up. And when you see through that and you're like, well, what can I find in this obstacle? What is the way? And, and finding that, it was, it was, it's magical is the, is the word I can use. It's really, it's truly inspiring. I'm curious when you got into stoicism, Buddhism and mindfulness, like what intrigued you to get into that? Was it the books when they gave you when you left your job or what inspired you to continue down that rabbit hole? It was a hundred percent that. And yeah. so if, if you rewind the clock, on the list of books, Feeling Good, The New Mood Therapy was one of the books, and that's the CBT aspect. And then I started Googling, started researching CBT, and I realized the predecessor was Stoicism. So I think I bought 25 books on Stoicism. You know, I've probably only read five of them, and I, I look over at my shelf, and the other 20 are there, and, and someday I may get to them. But once you've been through four or five or six you, you kind of get the gist of it. <laughs> and so the next 19 were, were the same message repeated from a different angle. And I was like, I'm, I'm good here. And so I might work my way through them, but that was one aspect of it was the stoicism. And the stoicism, I almost look at as like an act of philosophy. Mm -hmm. And then on, on, on the other side of it was the Buddhism, which is a little bit softer but when you read their messages, they're super similar. So I, I consider myself a, a, a Buddhist, Stoic, Catholic. Like I, the, both these angles really support each other. And to me, subtle difference. On the Buddhist side, we recognize that we have these 35,000 thoughts and we just don't attach to them. We let them go. On the Stoic side, we stop them. We question them and we accept the real ones and we let go of the negative ones. Like that's the active versus just let it go. Mm -hmm. Oh, monkey mind, you do yeah. your thing, but I'm not going to pay attention to you. I'm going to shut you off, monkey mind. Like mm -hmm. that's how I kind of contrast the two. And, and so you look at it in the idea of like I have a tattoo on my forearm that has some stoic concepts to it being – you know, uh, memento mori, remember I must die. Like yeah. to your point, we're not going to be here long. I always think about it. I had a lot of head trauma growing up and that's always led to concussion issues. I'm pretty sure it ties into depression later in life. And so I, I, I've 
never been comfortable that I will have my full mental faculties as long as the average person because of that. You know, I don't know if I, I have CTE, but I, I wouldn't be super surprised if I if I did, as an example. The So that's one aspect. The other is the um, amor fate is the celebrate our fate. Don't just accept it, celebrate it. Like whatever happens to us happens for the best possible reason. So any of these dark times I've been through, any of those challenges, like those form part of who I am. I'm here because of every one of those decisions. Like I can't look back and be upset that I didn't do psych and English because then I wouldn't have those two boys that are in that house. They're there because of every decision I made and when I made it. And so if I change any one of those decisions, I'm not sleeping with the person that I am the night I was that I created them. They're, they're a one in a zillion chance. So yeah. I can't change anything because then I wouldn't have my voice. And so like you, you start to look at that and you start to say, well, hmm, life's in, you go back to the Buddhism. You talk about impermanence. You talk about karma. When you realize that everything you have is going to disappear, even you, your legacy, none of it's going to last. Yeah. You start to have a bit of perspective on living in this present moment. So yes, it was reading those books. And then on the, on the mindfulness side, I started diving deeper. And two years ago, I signed up for the mindfulness meditation teacher certification uh, with Jack Cornfield and Tara Brock. So I, I'm finishing that next month and, and I'll have my teacher certification. I don't intend to start teaching. But what it does, James, is the more we can learn different paths, mm -hmm. different, I always describe it as tools that we put either in our tool belt or our toolkit. So that if I'm having a coaching call with you on your business, I can incorporate mindfulness. I can incorporate CBT, stoicism. I've done some work on uh, shadow work and Jungian psychoanalysis. So all of a sudden you're bringing in all these different tools to not only analyze the problem, but why it's a problem for you and the deeper, how is this coming up for you? Yeah. What is it in your past that's leading you here today? Because none of it is by chance. So you get to you get to have fun with all of that. And so those are all the areas I want to explore. The the PhD I'm considering and want to apply for is Buddhism and psychoanalysis. So the combination of those two. Like to me, that's everything I've ever wanted is those two tied together. Shadow work yeah. with Buddhism. Like that's just fun. <laughs> you can tell. I, I'm I get so excited by this kind of stuff, as you can tell. Because I'm so in the, like, I'm so for everything that you just said. I think something that is really foundational in my coaching is understanding that most of the time we focus on surface level things. And so the yes. problem stays there. The problem stays there longer and longer. And we can feel like, oh, this is a temporary fix right now. But deep down, that's where the shadow work, that's where the mindfulness, that's where all of the things come in. Because you have to understand that it's like you said, it's, it's happening for a reason. There's not just, it's not just happening out of the blue. And I wanted to say too, I carry Memento Mori and Amor Fati around all the time. I have multiple coins because it, oh, I, I love it. Binders. And it's so, 
it's something that's been so impactful on me. I'm curious what it looks like for you. Do you have a mindfulness practice? Do you have, uh, is, do you meditate? I meditated right before this, funny enough. And is there something that you do that you practice that maybe can be a little actionable for, for my audience? Yeah, you almost, you can see in the background a sauna. Mm -hmm. So often, and I've got to get better and create the habit. Yeah. Right now, that I had the habit, the habit's broken. So I, I have to, I have to restart the habit and I'm off work starting tomorrow for three weeks. So what I'll be doing is go for a long walk, weighted vest with my dog, hit in this room. There's also on the other side of this computer is a squat rack uh, gym. So hit the weights, jump into the sauna for about an hour. And as part of that, have a meditation. So 30 minutes, meditate. I like to do so one of the meditations I like is just sort of the four thoughts that mm -hmm. turn your mind to Buddhism. You're thinking about um, preciousness of human life, impermanence, karma, and suffering. Mm -hmm. So I, I do a little bit of that. I'll usually potentially do the other one I do a lot of is a loving kindness meditation. And then the last one is it's not the meditation I've been learning in the program I'm learning, but I, it's closer to transcendental meditation where I have a mantra that I repeat over and over. And, and the other thing I do that's not quite tied into the meditation that I'm learning and, and being certified in is I do work with my breath while I'm doing it. Yeah. So instead of just having a natural breath, what I do is I do box breathing for the whole meditation. Mm -hmm. So because that just really calms the parasympathetic sympathetic nervous systems and so what i do is i do so the the mantra that i have is om so it's about four to five seconds yeah so i'll i'll chant that deep breath in chant it deep breath out and so i'm getting about a four to five second cycle so yeah. it takes about 20 seconds per breath. So you're breathing three times per minute. And so I'll do that for the 20, 30 minutes. And like the level of calm you have coming out of it versus going into it is just astronomical. So I have to get that going again tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, often I'll also do that in, in, in my bathroom. I have a steam room or like a steam shower. So I'll do it in the steam shower. I like to like part of what, part of what you're, you're capturing is, I like to habit stack all these things. So like walking the dog is one thing, but if I throw my 30 pound weighted vest on and walk her for 90 minutes while listening to a an educational podcast, like I'm trip I'm tripling down. Dog is super happy. I'm out in nature getting sunshine. I've got the weighted vest on so my quads have never been stronger and and I'm listening to like a Tim Ferriss podcast or a real estate podcast so I'm like quadruple stacking that you know you jump in the sauna and get your meditation on so you're getting the sweat and and when you do it walk work out sauna yeah your heart rate's already a buck 10 buck 20 when you jump in the sauna so you're already starting from an elevated heart rate and you just hold it there and you're sweating within minutes. So you sweat for an hour and it's just like that. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. My ideal day. I've done all three of those 
before I start the day. And then it's like a deep four-hour block. Now, while I'm doing a job, that that's a little harder to do unless I'm up at, you know, 4.30 in the morning. I see 5 a.m. club on your shelf. Unless I'm up at the crack of 5 because it's like then 6.30, I'm done the walk, workout. Like I'm not out of the house till 8. That's a little less practical. But when I'm living my life, that's that's the morning. I love it. I, I love that so much. I'm the same exact way. If I'm on a walk, I'm listening to an audio book, I'm listening to a podcast. And I, I find walking as, an, as, a, as a, a natural meditation in some capacity. Um, 100%. I find, I, if you've ever seen my stories on Instagram, I probably post at least a few, few times a week on a walk. It's like, it's the thing I say so frequently because it's had such a massive impact on me. Prior to meditation, that was my meditation when, cause mm. I have, a, have had an overactive mind as well. Sleeping has been something that was really tough for me growing up. Now, luckily I'm getting seven hours, nine hours of sleep a night. I really, really prioritize it. And growing up, it was something that like, I just couldn't slow my mind down. just wouldn't work. And I'm in upstate New York. So it'd be 2 AM and I'm in my bed, just wrestling, trying to go to bed. <laughs> it's not happening. And I'm not going to sit here for another hour. So let's go on a walk. And I would literally go on a walk. It'd be snowing outside 2, 3 AM in the morning. And I'd walk to my school, walk around the track a few times and I'd go home and I'd be fine. And it would just, it would, it's crazy how things disappear like that. I know um, Jay Shetty is someone that talks a lot about mantra meditations as well. I have to get into that myself. I'm more of a, I do the box breathing. I do the four, seven, eight. Um, and I do more visualization as well. But the, the, the mantra is something I've definitely wanted to get into. I'm curious, what, do you have three books that have had a massive impact, whether it's on your mindfulness or just your life in general? Cause I know that you're a, you're a book reader, man. <laughs> Yeah, the the three books that I recommend the most, and and they they tick these boxes. Number one, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Like you read that book, and you do those things, you're going to have a good life. And you realize after you start to study Stoicism, there's a lot of elements of Stoicism in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And when you're practicing Seven Habits regularly, you also realize that if you talk about some of the keys that you've learned from it and how you've changed your life with it, everyone's like, oh, you've read Atomic Habits. And you're like, no, I haven't. I, I just read one of the seven habits. Yeah. And that's basically Atomic Habits. And that begin with the end in mind. Da, da, da. Anyway, so seven habits, like a must read for anyone. Uh, then feeling good, the new mood therapy. So anyone who has an overactive mind, anyone who wants to learn how to shut off the monkey mind, uh, best tool i like that book changed my life that's 100% cool. the and 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 then i i'd have a toss up between resilience by eric greitens um unbelievably well written book the the author some of the stuff i've i've seen has become more problematic so it's getting harder to recommend yeah but then you you say, if it wasn't that, then I would just say Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. It's up there. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> emperor. Yeah. Philosopher. Mm. And we have his diary, and we get to read it. Like, that's incredible. And he just, like, think about it. It's like his Twitter feed. He's just like, oh, I'm going to tweet my it is. It's all of his books. thought of the day. Like that's his version of three, two, one by James Clear, but you know, even more life changing. So it's like, he's just every day I'm going to write a thought 
and you read these thoughts and you're like, holy crap, like that's powerful. And mm-hmm. it's just a book of that. So those would be, let's replace that. So we'll go with seven habits of highly effective people. We will go with feeling good, the new mood therapy and meditations by Marcus Aurelius. I love it. I love, and I'm so glad that you're, you're someone into stoicism because I haven't had someone on the podcast that really dives into it enough yet. And it's something that's dramatically changed my life um, to, to an extent that I truly cannot, I can't, I cannot express. And, and Buddhism is a part of that as well. And, and practicing that and doing whether it's meditation or even reading, like you said, I think it's, it's crazy how we have an emperor from so many years ago that his advice is still practical today. hundred percent. It's more practical than some things that we, we hear today. And it's crazy how those, if we actually apply them, it will genuinely change your life. Like you said, with the seven habits of highly effective people. And I'm curious for you, because this is something that I'm actively trying to figure out for myself. You're reading 52 books a year. How are you implementing all the things you're learning from them? That's a great question. And so I think one of the things is I'm probably not implementing everything I read because that would be almost impossible. Mm. What I can do though, is I can incorporate elements of each book. So when you, when you read a book and, and mind you, if I'm reading 52 and they're all on self-development, there's some similarities across all of them. And so a lot of them, I already am living some of what I've read or it's on a topic area that is what I do. So if I'm talking to an author about personal finance, like that's something at some point I could write a book on. And so that's when the podcast is a little bit more back and forth and and having a conversation. And so, but there's always that ability to say, what are one or two nuggets that I can pull out of this conversation I just had? And the other thing to do is because part of what I do is if I look at it, I was realizing I'm always reading and then I want to share that information with people. And to your point, like, how do I remember what I'm reading? And so part of it was my friend chuckles because I lent him a book I had learned like Einstein. And in the back of it, I'd wrote, Oh, my learning style, you know, although they've studies disprove learning styles, but anyway, I learn better when I have conversations and I enjoy reading, but I don't necessarily retain it all. So then I'm like, well, wait a second. What if I tie all of this together, read the book, what I want to learn from it, what I want to go a little deeper on, talk to the author about it, Mm -hmm. then publish it for people. So they get the learning wow, and take some of the learning from the book and the conversation, turn it into a thread and a newsletter article and publish that. Now you've read it. You've synthesized it a little by creating the questions and, and then you're having a conversation on it and then you're teaching it. Mm-hmm. And so by the time I write that thread, you've touched it four or five times and then sometimes I'll, I'll listen back. It's always hard to hearing yourself. I, I know you probably know this. So, you'll, you'll listen back to the episode and you'll be like, oh, damn. Because it, it, it's a little bit harder when you're having the conversation to cement what they're saying. You're yes. listening. You're focused. And, and, and then you also you need to be thinking, okay, they just talked about this. So I want to guide. 
where do I, you know, you're, you're, you're guiding. And so you, so you can sit and listen back and it gets even deeper. And so by the time that happens, you've touched the content five or six times and you're like, what are one of the, what are the two or three things that I'm going to incorporate into my life? And if, if you ease in two or three or one or two from each book, or even just one, that's 50 new behaviors at the end of the year. And so just slowly modifying, this is who I was at the start of the year. Mm -hmm. This is who I am at the end of the year. And they're completely different people. That's the fun of the journey. It's so true. It's that, it's that 1% rule, right? And and you're doing it. And, And it's crazy how you answered a question that I was already, that I was going to ask. And and I was, the question was, was how are you able to learn so much so fast? Um, Mm -hmm. Because you're taking, you're doing so many things. You're, you're a CFO, you're a real estate investor, you're a, you're a writer, you're a podcaster, you, you are doing so many different things. And it's so many different facets of life that it's extraordinary that you're able to iterate so quickly. I think that's something Mm -hmm. that's not a lot of people are able to do. Um, you know, it's like going into one space as you did and with Twitter, you, you grew on Twitter and then you extrapolated that and then made it into other platforms, but you're doing that in life. Like that's not just social media. You're doing that in other areas of your life. And yes. how are you able to do that when it comes to say even real estate, when I know that you've been in real estate for a while, but I think that that alone, that's something I want to get into. I, when I realized I didn't want to be a real estate agent, what I did realize halfway through of becoming one was that I want to be an investor, not a real estate agent. So I'm curious how you're able to not only do that in social media and for the authors and and books that you're reading, but how are you able to iterate so quickly and learn so fast in other facets of life? And I know that was a broad question. Yeah. So, so I think there's a few reasons for that. And one of them, I feel like potentially from all the concussions I had as a, as a kid, like I got hit by a car when I was five years old and, 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 you know, once you have one head trauma, it becomes easier and easier. And I played every contact sport you could imagine. Had a brother that was like double my size and one year older than me. Like a lot of head trauma. But yeah. but I think somewhere in there, it shut off like an inhibition switch. So yeah. I'm I'm not a person who needs to plan religiously. Yeah, like I just press the go button. And so when I see something I want, I start and I go. And I learn on the on the way. And so when you look at the last year as an example, I was flying by the seat of my pants. Like my wife's retired now and she's taken over certain things. And she's sort of like, okay, like what's the process? What where's the you know, what's the steps? Yeah. What and and I'm like, just do yeah. it. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I get I get home from work, I, I write, and then I create slides, and then I do this, and then I go to bed at one, like it's sort of like, and she's like, well, what am I going to do? So we create all these process docs and step-by-step and record it. And like, oh yeah, yeah. I didn't tell you this. Right. And we're like, and now she's acing it, but like she, you know, she wants those steps. I need to, and I'm just like, you go. So that's one thing. The, the other is my greatest strength. Like if, if you interviewed me, any time over the last 15 years, and you were like, hey, what's your greatest strength? My greatest strength, and, and somehow I intuitively knew this, was I learn faster than anybody. And I always say that in interviews. And it's like, well, I'm, 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 I'm not trying to be cocky. I just learn quickly. And, and where did that come from? 
and Scott Hill talks about this, is curiosity. Like, yeah. I'm a super curious dude. And my mom said I was like, I was like that, you know, I was that kid taking apart clocks and like, oh, how does this work? Why, 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 how, how? Like, I would just ask that religiously, apparently. And I, I would also be like leaving the house and climbing a, like she said, I was like, I could barely walk and I would climb over like a six foot fence. Like, I would just be like, got to explore the world. I'm out of here. Like kids are climbing out of their crib and I'm going over the backyard fence. Yeah. Like, so I, I was, I've always been super, like super aggressive, if you will, like a, like sports, mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm five, five, nine. And I probably weighed like a buck 50 growing up. But like, if I went in the corner in a hockey game, somehow my dad said like, you always came out with the puck, no matter how big the other guy was like you just you were ferocious so that the i've always like i didn't have money growing up so my, there was no wealth yeah. but the one thing my mom gave me was sports and reading so that's like we'll we'll figure out how to get you in sports and we will always buy books and or take you to the library so I've like the way I read now, I've been doing that since I was, you know, 10 or 11. I probably for most of my life read 30 books a year. And, and so like we're crossing about a thousand soon. And so like that's always been there. And so I've always read. I've always been curious. I've been super aggressive and passionate about all of the things I do. And so when I took the Clifton Strength Finder, it was like, hey, your number one thing is your number one strength is learning. And I was like, oh, I was right. <laughs> and so so that's part of it. That's the reason for all of this. Like if you look at if you look at the way I'm building my future, it's all built on those strengths and those passions. It's like I get to learn by reading studying, taking programs, taking courses, going on retreats. Like I want to, whatever I bring in, I want to invest 10 to 20% of that back into learning so that, because what you have, James, is like, I've had someone who worked for me once and they're like, you know, I think I've outgrown you. I think I might have to, I think I might have to go to a new shop. And my response was, no, that's like, you're never going to outgrow me. Not because, and I'm not saying that because I'm cocky, because I want to hire super bright people who are better than me and have super potential. But unless you're willing to invest in your learning the way I am in mine, there's always going to be something new to teach you. So, and that's where I see the business going. Constant learning, synthesize, share the knowledge, lather, rinse, repeat over and over. So that's, that's where the learning comes from. And then the other fun part is my first 10 years at KPMG, you have a multitude of clients. You go into their business, you have to learn it super well so that you can audit it and say, hey, are these financial statements reasonable? And then you have to go on to your next job. So you're learning to learn because you're just constantly new client, new client, understand the business, understand the business and just doing that over and over. And so if you already had a predilection to learning, it just gets stronger and stronger. 
And then once you realize that's your strength and you double down on it, you just keep going. And so I, I think today I've learned to look for what I need to pull out of something to get good at something. And so when you take it to real estate, if I'm working for someone and I see what they've done to create wealth on a scale that's unimaginable to the average person, I can look at that recipe and say, how do I copy that recipe at my scale? How do I take their ideas and use them in my life? If I hear, if, you know, if I, I go back a couple companies ago and, and two lines that stood out to me that have guided a lot of my investing, you buy when there's blood in the street, which is a, a famous old quote, but he would use it and always build in the path of progress. So whenever I've looked at my real estate acquisitions, they've always been in the path of progress because then you're able to capture that value in the future. So how do you take those things that you're seeing and say, okay, I don't have the capital to do that, but I have the capital to do this. And so I can build at my scale what you've built at yours. I don't have the distribution network of some of the people on Twitter, but I can see how they write. I can see how they can engage and I can build that on a smaller scale. And eventually I will be at that scale and be able to operate that way because I see how they do it and I'm going to learn from the best. So on any of these platforms, if you, if I see someone like Dickie Bush say, Hey, I've got like one-on-one coaching for 5,000 bucks. It'd be like, that's a no brainer. Like you're one of the best people on this platform. Why wouldn't I invest in that? So look at who, here's the key. Know what you want. Step one understand what it takes. When you're doing the understand what it takes, look for people who have done what you want to do. Most of them are building in public or there's a biography about them or there's a Wikipedia page. Understand how they did it. Don't understand what they're doing now. That's, I I, I call that a then now trap. So people are like, this is what Bill Gates does, so I'll do it. It's like Bill Gates is the sixth richest man in the world. Like, of course he reads all day and plays uh, bridge with Warren. Like, he's like he's already a billionaire. Look at what Bill did 25 years ago to become a billionaire. So then now paradox. Don't focus on now. Focus on then. Look at how they got to where they got to and apply that to your life. And then step three is do the work. Show up every single day, day in, day out. Put your X on the calendar. Create the chain of events and don't break it. And when you do that, assuming you took those right steps, you can't not succeed. In, in James, I've seen this, like, I first learned this when I was like a, an out of shape, chunky couch potato who 
couldn't run like a kilometer and I used this to do an Ironman. That then then four years later, when I kind of got a little out of shape again, to run every day for one and a half years and do a, an ultra marathon, to build a social media following, to write a book, to become a CFO, to build a real estate portfolio, like when you do when you do something once, like it's like okay, like sure, like we could, we could get lucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like eventually it's like, okay, this, this works like this. It, it, it's super simple. It's just three steps. And, and each step requires a lot of work in the step, but that's all you have to do. And you can achieve anything you want in life within reason. Don't listeners. I, I know I'm not going to the moon. Well, I, I mean, I guess I could because now you can just pay to do it. And someday I could have enough money, but Yes, I'm not going to be an Apollo astronaut. I get it. But within reason, you can do anything you want, James. I'm so grateful that you just explained that because that is so – I was on a podcast earlier today, and I'll, and the last question of the podcast was, what superpower would you have? And I said, to learn something faster than anybody else. Mm. And and when I thought – and then getting on this podcast, it's all about learning, and it's like it's it's everything, and I think that – the a lot of people focus on where they want to go so much that they don't enjoy the process of learning to do the thing and getting on a podcast learning about the person and then um at looking at the questions that i have to ask and diving into doing that and then realizing that i'm going to do this every single week the process of doing that every single week is what's fun because it's like i can take something from this person i can take something from this person yeah have you ever read the book steal steal like an artist by austin cleon not yet no we should, um, because it's exactly what you're talking about. It's you would read it in ten minutes. It's like two hundred pages. It's it's tiny, but it's really exactly what you said there. And I'm really glad that you said the the statement of focus on where they are, how they got to where they are by looking at where they started, not yes. where they are. Because you can't take anything from someone that's so insurmountably away from where you are that there's nothing applicable to actually do in your in, in your actual position. And that's that alone is so so important. I think people need to take something from that, whether this is in content creation or entrepreneurship or just growing in some kind of corporate ladder, whatever that looks like, you're able to take something from other people. If you look through that lens, I'm curious what it would look like if strength, your strength wasn't learning, what would be that actionable step? Would it just be just starting for people? Well, that's, that's, that's the second half of, uh, that's the second, that's the second strength is competition. So my top three, I think, are learning, competition, and ideation, which ties to everything we're talking about is how do you come up with ideas? It's like, well, that's just what I've always done. I've always just, and part of it's the reading, what you consume, you can, you can create, but the, the, yeah, it would just be starting and it would be not afraid to press the go button, just go. And, And then I think the, it's interesting because my wife has always said it's both my superpower and my weakness is my consistency. So there's, and what she means by that is I am either religiously consistent or I don't do it at all. And so I know that about myself is I don't, I, 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 and I think it's part of, I tie it to, to my ADHD is like, I don't have a moderator switch. I'm not, I can't dim the lights or, or, or turn them up. I can turn the lights on 
or I can turn them off. And it's one of the reasons I, I quit drinking, James, was, you know, a lot of people are like, well, why don't you just have a couple beers a week? It's like, well, that works for you. I like and once I have one, I'm like, well, the game's on. Let's let's, let's do this. <laughs> right? Like, So, you know, not to say I had a, a drinking problem, but the but it was enough to realize, hey, why don't I just stop altogether? Then yeah. people are like, well, how do you do? How do you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. You just. Just, stop. just turn it off. Yeah, you just, just turn, the turn the light off. Yeah. Like, same way. You, so it's it's like a weird a weird wiring. But what we have to look for is when we have neurotypical or we're atypical, and we have cognitive differences from the average person. Don't look at that cognitive difference as as something that will hold you back in life. Look at the flip side and say, if if you've seen the Queen's Gambit, mm-hmm. there's two sides to a coin. So sure, there are issues with my ADHD, but what are the benefits? I can stop anything on a dime. I can start anything on a dime. I can be relentlessly consistent. I have more energy than 99% of people. Sure, there's some downsides to all of that, but I'm going to focus on those strengths, and I'm going to use them to live the life I want. Now, I may get distracted by a, a, my dog when she comes in the backyard and you see me turn sideways to watch her play in the snow, but that's fine. <laughs> I'll have my five-second distraction, and then I'll come back, and I'll be zoomed in on what we're, we're doing. So the strength there is the competition, getting started, and not stopping till the job is done. That can sometimes lead to burnout chains. And so, you know, having people around you who are are monitoring your health and are saying, Hey, I think you should take the weekend off. Yeah. Let's go for a walk. Let's just, you know, go out for dinner. Let's take a rest. So, so surround yourself with good people. Yeah. I really, really like that. And I think I, we're a lot in the same way. I need to take that, that, that Clifton strengths test. I've talked to a buddy about that recently. Um, because I'm, I'm all the way in too. Like there's not an in between. I'm either so consistent where I'm showing up every single day or you're not going to see me for a few days. Um, and I, and I, and I talk about this. I had, I made a podcast, a solo episode about this a little while ago. I know you're going to resonate with this is a lot of people talk about balance and, um, I don't think there's such thing as a balance. I think there's, uh, I think there's more so obsession. And when you're able to turn that light off and actually take the time off that's where when you actually you're all in you're all in and there's no hesitation behind it there's no questioning it it's i'm all in on here and then when i turn the light off i turn the light off and i'm all in on the family right you have two kids you that's that's how you're able to do it yeah. and that that ability to turn the light off turn the light on and it, it it really resonates in all aspects of life you know when it comes to say you're trying to wake up early in the morning and people say well how do i not hit the snooze how do i just how do i wake up earlier and well it's like you do it you literally just do it you have to make the decision and this is something that ryan holiday talks a lot about you have to make the decision to do it and then you just act because in your brain it's like you literally it has to register in your brain it's like okay i'm gonna do this for a little bit there's a period of time where me it was like i'm hitting the snooze for hours it was like i'm just not waking up and one day i decided it was like well okay, I'm going to decide to wake up tomorrow. And then as soon as I woke up, I was like, oh, got to get up. I decided to do it. And it's, yes. it, it truly is a decision. And that's in every aspect of your life. And you just have to keep going and going and going. And it's shown really, really well in in your 
in your, I guess, uh, personal brand, you can you can see in all the six areas of your life that you're trying to grow in. I think that's why you have eight rental properties and you have the ninth on the way and you have a book with your sister and you have the podcast coming out every single week. It's like you're doing so many things because you've simply committed to doing it. And I think that 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 acceptance in it comes down to the stoicism and being able to do that. And I commend you so much for being able to do all the things that you do. You're a true inspiration for me. And I want to end this podcast off with a question that I ask everybody. Okay. And this podcast is the You Can't Do podcast. I think our beliefs drive our behavior and that creates our results, goes right back into our identity. And I want to know what belief are you currently unlearning? Wow. What belief am I currently unlearning? I think, you know, even I've been thinking about this one more and more lately, and it ties to, you know, Twitch boss committing suicide a week ago, yeah. is even when things are shining bright, we don't always see inside someone, right? And one of the traps that can happen when we get into the business that you and I are getting into is you can get too tied to the results. How many followers did I pick up this week? How many listens on the podcast? How many likes on the post? And that can result in diminished personal view of self. Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough. And I think I'm unlearning that I am tied to my results. Mm -hmm. Because by any objective standard, you someone would say, holy shit, like, you've blown up on Twitter. You went viral on LinkedIn this week. Instagram's going all right. Your podcast is growing 20% a month. Like, this has been a great year for you. And I need to be able to say that to myself. Because one of the challenges with being the type of person that always drives and always pushes is a lot of times that comes from never thinking that you're good enough or that, some, or that you've achieved anything. So how do I learn or unlearn that aspect of myself so that I can take, so they can be content in what I've done. Mm -hmm. and, and that is going to be a lifelong battle because part of that's what drives the fuel. Absolutely. And I need to learn to, I was talking with one of the people that I look at as a role model on Twitter this morning. And I asked him, do you divorce yourself from the platforms? And so if you imagine, that sounds a little strange if I'm growing on all these platforms. But my ultimate vision, James, is I create content. I write the newsletter. I write long-form content for Twitter. I write ideas for Twitter. And that gets packaged across all platforms. But I outsource the distribution because being on the platforms at times can be a bit debilitating to me. So I have to unlearn being on them and I have to unlearn being too attached to the results. That was a long answer to that one. No, I think it's great because I resonate a lot with that as well. 
um, in, in the world that we're in, there's right, there's positive and negatives to everything. And as you were speaking about this earlier is you, you focus on the things that you do get from ADHD, you focus on the things that you that are positive that come from it, not the negative. And I, I realized that in uh, Tony Robbins book, Awaking the Giant Within, it was focusing like on your circumstances, right? When, 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 when growing up, it was for me, I always felt like life was happening to me. Um, I lost my father, my uncle, both 37, my grandfather at 66. I was passed when I was born. I had a lot of positions where I was like, oh, life is just knocking me down. It's like trying to see what I can take. And I, I seen it as it was happening to me, made the shift that it was happening for me because I started focusing on the things that I could get from it, and focusing on the things that are positives. And then how can I resonate and how can I make that make sense to other people so they can take that perspective? Because it was like, I was looking through life through this lens uh, with my glasses on and I was like, I took my glasses off and I was like, whoa, there's a different world here. And that alone shifted my perspective. And I think it's really, really difficult. It is a battle to do that when in, in, in the world that we're in and social media, there's so much leverage that is on these platforms when you're able to do the things that you are doing. And there's so much capability that it makes it exciting that like there is no cap. <laughs> and and that alone yeah. is like, man, where can I go? And then there's also that defeating feeling of, well, why am I not here? Or why... Or, yeah, or what does yeah. this mean to me? And I think unlearning the belief that you and your work are not the same is something that's really, really important to, to realize yeah. and internalize. And I'm internalizing it in, in the same sense. And, and Clint, I'm so grateful to have you on the show, man. I'm so grateful to be connected. Your energy is contagious. And I think the, the audience definitely seen that today. Where can my audience find you, my friend? Oh, that's a great question. So we are the easiest spot. You can see it on the hat is the growth. Dot guide. Uh, so that's the URL, thegrowth.guide. And then you can find me on Twitter. I am Clint Murphy. Instagram, the Clint Murphy. LinkedIn, I think I'm Clint Robert Murphy. I should change that. So those are the three main ones right now. And then eventually that same handle on YouTube, TikTok, everywhere social media is, we will be be there <laughs> awesome my yeah. friend thank you again for coming on the show i'm so grateful thank you james and, it was a blast today 